I care about statistical scarcity more than positional scarcity. Have I killed fun? Yes. Uh, Podcast is going off the rails already. This is, they're, they're pop-ups. They're not infield fly balls. These guys told you to get fit by the RA. So wait for Kluber's sale. But pass on Robbie Ray. Hey, real quick, Scott's phoned about the humidor. And pick your milk for breakfast cereal. Mount Rushmore. Fantasy Baseball today, and brand new theme song. You wanted it? You got Yeah, all right. I'm so excited about this. Doc Kratzer does it again, one of our loyal listeners, who has given us a parody theme song three straight years, and here he is with the, with the Friends theme, and here we are. We're, we're all friends. Could he have given us any more theme songs? <laughs> Nice. It's a Chandler Bing thing. I get it. I get it, Chris. You gave me a, a weird look. Did you not? Did you not watch Friends? I watched Friends, not um, all the way through, but I have watched many Friends episodes. Like I was not somebody that like watched every episode of Friends. Who was your favorite character? Oh, Joey for sure. <laughs> Marcel. You can, you can make a case for Marcel. any of them, Marcel, except for Marcel. All right. Well, that's Chris, Heath, <laughs> and Scott. I am Adam. Welcome to the show. Shortstop preview today. A very young position. Seven of the top eight shortstops in the rankings for Scott and Heath, and that is including Manny Machado, who's not actually ranked as a shortstop, but we will talk about him on today's show. He'll be shortstop eligible in week two. Uh, they're all 25 or younger. The only exception would be Elvis Andrews. So it's a young position, and there are a lot of like good prospects. Uh, kind of an exciting position, but but also not not the best position. We know that shortstop's a little bit thin. It's not catcher thin, but it's a little bit thin. Uh, so we'll get to that. We'll read. Uh, we will not read emails today, but at some point this week we'll have a mailbag show with the latest news, like Logan Morrison going to the Twins. The baseballs being stored at uh, the same conditions in every ballpark, and our email address is fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Again, big time special thanks to Doc Kratzer for making that song. And you may have noticed we have new mics now as well. Uh, new microphones in the studio. We're excited about that. I have the same old headset, but the three guys have better mics. And so if you hear us, you know, the audio is not 100%. We're getting used to the new microphone setup. Just uh, give us some time. All right, you know, guys. Based on, the, based on the start of that Doc Kratzer song where he, he, like, clips a line from each of us, you still sound the best, the clearest, you know? Uh, that... I don't think you need a new mic. No, I'm good. I'm good, but you guys actually do sound really good. You sound like really bassy, like the ladies would love it. You guys sound good. I like hey it. there. Yeah. Um, all right, so shortstops. How many shortstops do you feel comfortable with as your starter? And, again, we are going to put Manny Machado in this shortstop discussion. He will start the year as only third base eligible. He will quickly gain shortstop eligibility. How many shorts, How many starting caliber shortstops are there? What, roto or points? <laughs> uh, well, if, if there's a difference, then you tell me. I think there is a difference because there are some steals guys at shortstop possibly that could make you feel comfortable with them as corner. Uh, mm. eight. 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 You're going with eight. I would eight. go with I would go with eight that I feel pretty that I feel good about. Now I'm going to change it and say nine because I, I forgot we were go, including Machado. Nine. I could go. Yeah. Nine. Sure. I. 
I could go twelve. I could go. I could go ten to thirteen. Um, because I right right there on the fringes for me are like Trevor Story and Marwin Gonzalez, who you know has each had a year in the last two where they've certainly been starting caliber, but there are reasons to be skeptical of both. So that's that's why I draw the distinction between like nine that I would feel good about, but I could go. I don't know if I would include Paul DeYoung, but Trevor Story, Didi Gregorius, I can get to 12. Yeah, so who are we missing here? Cause yeah, who, Heath, who are your eight? Who are your eight, Heath? I said nine. But oh, who are your nine? Sorry. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Manny Machado, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Alex Bregman, Xander Bogarts, Elvis Andrews, Gene Segura. Okay. I agree So with you did list. not include Didi Gregorius. That is correct. Okay. I, I would include Didi, and it sounded like Chris was including Didi. I include Didi in the the next tier, okay. not the I feel comfortable with as a starter. But no, the, I, I feel, will settle no, on. I feel good, but I don't feel I feel, <laughs> I feel comfortable, comfortable, but not you, good. Yeah, right. Well, okay, so why no Didi for you, Heath? I'm just not really sure. He, like, I kind of feel like I'm going to be able to get Didi production on the waiver wire. Okay, um, at shortstop. Yeah, yeah, I don't think don't that Didi is going. Twenty-five to... homer shortstops just grow on he trees. May, his, his career year may be followed up by another career year. Well, he's done basically the same thing two years in a row. Well, I guess it was twenty home runs versus twenty-five, but there were a lot more doubles and that first year. Twenty and... fewer games in yeah. the twenty-five uh, homer season. There so you that's... go. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, let me let me bring this up yeah. with Gregorius. Um, I liked him last year. Got him at one dollar in in one of our roto leagues. Uh, is he the kind of guy though? That may, like, I don't know what the effect of these, you know, storing conditions for the baseballs are, but you know that they want to limit the home run. Not limit, but, but get away from, like, the record home run season that we had last year. Uh, I feel like. No, I, I don't think, I don't think that's what they're doing. I, I think they're trying to normalize the conditions, not necessarily normalize the production, because this would have the counter effect of normalizing production. From what I understand, like, the reason the humidor suppresses offense in Colorado and presumably will in Arizona is because of the difference in the actual humidity in the environment they're playing right. with versus what's going to be in the baseball. The humidor could increase offense in a place like Miami. Right. Most most base environments where baseball is played, I, I think, are higher than 50% humidity most of the time, and that's what, what it's being stored at in Arizona and Colorado. So if they were going to normalize it, the ball would actually be less humid than the environment around it, which I, I think would mean increased offense. But oh. this is not a humidor. No, this no, no. Okay, just wait. like store it in a air, in right a, now. Yeah, right now they're just trying an air conditioned room. But yeah. then, based on the results of that, they're going to consider a humidor for everybody next year. Okay, so so just I don't want to veer off into a different discussion. It's my fault. I I brought it up, but um, I I do th- I thought that. You know, all the home runs last year were actually viewed as a problem, so I viewed any attempt to change the baseballs as an attempt to reduce the home runs. And I and Didi Gregorius, basically all of his value is home runs. And he's a guy who didn't really hit many home runs until the last two years. So he kind of stood out to me. Elvis Andrews would be another guy. Now, he gives you steals. That's different. But but he'd be another guy that if, like, they go back to their pre-2016 or 17 home run production, you know, it could be a major drop in value for them. So I guess I just wanted to know if you thought that was going to be an effect of the air conditioned thing. It's much more a concern for Didi Gregorius than it is for Elvis Andrews. If Elvis Andrews goes back to being an eight homer guy, I think he still has plenty of value. He does, and but, but is, I, is is this what you anticipate happening? Like these 
out of nowhere homer guys don't do that this year. Like, is there, I want to know if they're well, actually if, changing the base. Yeah, too. I don't. I don't think we have any reason we don't to believe know they are at this point. All right. And, I, and the thing is, like, he's in the Yankees lineup, which is just going to be totally insane. You know, he had 87 RBI last year. I could see that improving, even if the homer total drops. Where, where do we like? He's going to hit seven, eight, nine in the order. I don't uh, think so. No, I think he's going to hit higher than that. He he hit mostly cleanup last year. I think he'll hit sixth. Okay. Uh, maybe seventh, but eight well, and nine will be gonna second and third. He's going to have all those high on base guys in front of him. Yeah, he'll hit so. sixth in front of Aaron Hicks and then whoever plays second and yeah, third he'll, for that. He'll lose a couple of opportunities just because the plate appearances are, will be lower, but and he makes that so lineup's going to turn over a he, lot. He's like, it's not just like, oh, this guy hits, but he, like he makes a ton of contact too. I'm not saying he's going to be like a big batting average guy or anything, but there's there's clearly. Something to fall back on. All right. So Gregorius is like the number nine shortstop for Scott. He's number 11 for Heath. And Heath thinks there are nine, including Machado. So I guess if I put Machado in there, Gregorius would be number 10 for Scott and number 12 for Heath. Um, and uh, he's one of the last startable guys for Scott and for Chris. And he's just outside that for Heath. Um, all right, how many? Uh, who do you find yourself drafting a lot at the shortstop position? You guys have done some mocks. Which shortstops do you see yourselves ending up with? Weirdly for me, uh, Gene Segura and Xander Bogarts, two guys that I've been critical of in recent years, but who I think are really good values at their current prices. Okay, I'm getting a lot of Elvis Andrews. And, because... and these three that you mentioned, Andrews, Bogarts, Segura, they're – Early round six for Andrews, round seven for Bogarts, round seven for Segura. And then there's a bit of a drop-off before we get to Didi Gregorius, who's in round nine. So these are like six, seven-round guys in 12-team leagues. Uh, he, or Chris said Bogarts and Segura. Scott, go ahead on Andrews. He's the one, uh, and I would say there were, there were uh, four shortstops who, who actually performed like elite shortstops last year. I'm not including Corey Seager in that, by the way. I mean, Correa, Turner, Lindor, and Andrews. He's the one, Andrews, who uh, people don't pay a premium for. They actually pay a premium for Seager over him, which I would too. Uh, but I still feel like, you know, Seager in the third round versus Andrews in the sixth. Andrews is better value there. And I understand he may not hit many, hit as many home runs as he did last year ever again. But um, like Chris was saying, he was... He does enough little things well that it adds up to at least above average production, if not elite, even if you're reducing the home runs. Heath, how about you? Give me a shortstop or shortstops you find yourself drafting a lot. Uh, definitely Bogarts. I'm there with Chris on that. Um, I think I'm probably getting more Bregman than anyone else in this room, at least, even if I'm not quite as high on him as some outside of this room. And then if I have a pick in the first round, I'm, if Trey Turner's there, I'm taking him. So here's here's my question about Bregman. Yes, yes. What does Alex Bregman do that Gene Segura doesn't? Play for I, the Astros. I think oh, he has more power. Oh, much more power. I think he gets on base more. Okay. I think he's in a better lineup. He definitely plays for the Astros. That's the one thing I can say. And I sure. don't think he's reached the full extent of his potential when Segura certainly has. Yeah, I mean, look, you're, you're hoping Bregman— just, It feels like we're not— I gave you four reasons. What do you want? <laughs> well, sure, that's fine, but he's going 40 spots later. Um, okay. I think it's weird that people are so unexcited about Gene Segura right now. I mean, I've only got him 20 spots apart. I've got I've got Bregman as an end of the fourth and Segura as a middle of the sixth. Right, so. yeah, I'm talking about the ADP right but, now. Gene Segura is going 40 spots, 39 spots after. Then Gene Segura is a better value. 
than Alex Bregman is. I do think Alex Bregman's more exciting. Yeah, I so see. Yeah, like, is he really a better value? Because you have a, you have star potential in Alex Bregman, and you have some steals with Bregman too. Gene Segura has been a fantasy star. In the Gene, past. Yeah, but well, he's Segura not. But he's not going to be. He's not going to be in Seattle. Five years he's been a fantasy. But he's star. not going to be in Seattle. Like we, the the power was way down. I mean, it was such a big difference going from Arizona to Seattle. We knew it was he, coming, and it happened. Last year definitely wasn't a star year for Segura. He's two of the last five years. Okay. Um, I mean, and one of them was like a disastrous second half. He he played 125 games, so if you extrapolate it to 155, it's probably like 15 homers, 30 steals, 100 they, runs. They aver- He and Bregman averaged about the same fantasy points per game last year, um, and they were both less than like Marwin Gonzalez, uh, less than oh, right around D.D. Gregorius as well. Uh, but, you know, we've cited the Bregman over the final uh, four months or final three months last season stat before, where obviously he entered more of the Carlos Correa category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here are the stats. Bregman, after the All-Star break, hit 315, 367 on base, 536 slugging. He had 11 home runs in 71 games. He also stole 17 bases in 155 games last year. Segura, if you give him the 153 games that he played in 2016, when Segura was the number one shortstop in fantasy, um, he would have had 13 homers and 27 steals and 37 doubles. Uh, so the production was down. Now, the, if you want to do, make, you do want to make the case for Segura. He dealt with an ankle injury last year. He missed three weeks with an ankle injury. He had an 852 OPS before that. It was a lot of batting average, 341 batting average, only a 462 slugging. But uh, he did not hit nearly as well after the ankle injury. So that is a plus for Segura if you uh, want to play that game. Um, all right, so but you know here's the, here's the ADP just to give you a quick glance. Trey Turner is sixth overall. Carlos Correa fourteenth overall. Machado eighteenth overall. Lindor twenty first overall. So that's four in the first two rounds. Then Corey Seager in round three. Alex Bregman in round four. If you want him, you got to go pretty early. Elvis Andrews in round six. He's the sixth shortstop. Uh, Xander Bogart or is he the seventh? Uh, seventh shortstop. Bogarts is eighth. Uh, Segura is the ninth shortstop. They're both going in round seven, Bogarts and Segura. Didi Gregorius in round nine. Trevor Story in round ten. So, like, once you get to Bogarts in round seven and Segura in round seven, that's nine shortstops off the board, including Machado. And then you get into that, you know, the Gregorius, Trevor Story, Chris Taylor, if he's shortstop eligible, which he's not in our leagues. Javier Baez, Eduardo Nunez. There is obviously a drop-off. You start looking at the potential guys like like uh, Gleyber Torres and uh, and... Who am I look? Oh, uh, Ahmad Rosario. Thank you. That's who I was thinking of. All right. Anyway, who's who are shortstops you avoid in drafts? Not interested in these guys. Heath, we'll start with you. I mean, it's probably Elvis Andrews, only because almost all of my drafts involve Scott White, and he's just willing to take him a little earlier than I am. But um, that's really like there's not a guy. I, mean, I guess Marwin, based on where he's being drafted, I think he's a top ten shortstop or eleven. That that's a little too high for me as well because I have concerns. Javier Baez for sure. For a lot of the same reasons, he's like Marwin Gonzalez without being quite as good a hitter. Okay. Uh, Scott, who are you avoiding at shortstop? I guess part of the reason Chris and, and Heath keep drafting Xander Bogarts is because he is the short, the number one shortstop I'm avoiding. Um, he's also probably going to be my bus pick when we get into that. You want me to save it for then or get into it now? Mm, save it. And right. Xander Bogarts is Scott's bus. We'll get the explanation in a bit. And Chris, who are you avoiding at shortstop? I'm just not willing to pay the premium for Corey Seager. Like, I, I get the upside. He has Freddie Freeman upside as a hitter. Like, the the underlying skills are incredibly impressive. But 
especially in a roto league, I just until he starts hitting the ball in the air more and starts tapping into more of the raw power in games, I just I think he's just a three category guy and I, I don't think it's that special. I do like Seeger a lot more in points. I, I pretty much agree with what Chris is saying in roto leagues. Um, I think he's drafted too high, but in points leagues, I'm I'm still valuing like an elite shortstop. Well, why don't like because I know you I know you put a heavy emphasis on stolen bases earlier in rotisserie leagues. I yes. I almost wonder if batting average deserves that more though because I think batting average is definitely valuable, but like Gene Segura is going to hit around 300 too, and he's going. 50 spots later. Seager was the number five shortstop in points last year, number seven in Roto. The year before, he was number three in points, number four in Roto. But here is an interesting stat. I don't know how much you guys buy into it, but first four months of the season, he had a 924 OPS. He, he, was, he raked. 924 OPS. That's awesome. First four months. 711 OPS in the final two months. And I don't know exactly when the injury started, but he was playing hurt. He missed the entire NLCS, right? With I think it was a back injury. Yep. So I, I, you know, I just don't know how much of it was injury related, but he was having a, a massive season, Corey Seager, in his first four months. If he has a 9.24 OPS, he's certainly going to be third round he's, value. And, and you just said it; he was third and fourth in the two formats as a rookie. Like his his overall production, counting the last two months or whatever last year, was down from his rookie season. It wasn't drastically down, but it was down enough that it probably makes that big of a difference in the rankings. So, I mean, if he just bounces back to his rookie numbers, he's probably living up to that draft position. Should we do the same thing for Xander Bogarts? Uh, yeah, uh, kind well, of. I, I, Who was playing hurt last season? Yeah, there are un, there are much more concerning underlying numbers for Xander Bogarts. Yeah, and okay. you know who else was, by the way, awesome before an injury? Carlos Correa. I mean, I know he's going, he's going 14th overall. That might be a little late for Carlos Correa. He had a 966 OPS in 84 games before tearing a ligament in his thumb. And that can really affect someone. Uh, and it's, it's not like he was bad afterwards. No. Uh, but the question I have with him is, can he get back to stealing 15 bases? I mean, he's never no. actually stolen 15 bases in the majors, but 14 <laughs> and 13 the previous two years. That's 15 steals. <laughs> I think as enough. a middle-of-the-order hitter, I kind of doubt it. I think that's fair. Jose Altuve's stopped running quite as much uh, since moving down in the order. You also just look at the kind of power that he hits for. There's not going to be as many stolen base opportunities for him. Yeah, and George Springer last year was like, I'm not going to steal that much because the lineup's so good, I'm not going to run into outs. So maybe that's a bit of a philosophy for Correa, too. Uh, all right, we got a lot more. I want to know who you prefer, Correa or Machado, when you're willing to take them, because they're both second-round picks right now. But uh, I do have to tell you about SeatGeek. Oh, look, buying tickets can be so annoying, right? I mean, I used to go on so many websites to try to find the best deals. Those days are done. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and it's fully guaranteed. You know, there's nothing like being there in person. Baseball season's right around the corner. Basketball season's going on right now. Go to a game. Go to a concert. You know, summer concerts are coming up, and it's, I know it's a little ways off, but buy your concert tickets now. And you want to save 20 bucks? You can do that on the SeatGeek app if you use our promo code FANTASY. Again, download the app and, and use the promo code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first purchase. What SeatGeek does, goes out, searches multiple ticket sites, compares the prices, finds the best deals, and gives every ticket a grade based on value. So you should make SeatGeek your go-to app for the best deals on sports, concerts, comedy, and theater. Again, everybody, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FANTASY. You're all sports fans. You're all music fans. 
Go to a game, go to a concert, go to something, and use the promo code FANTASY to get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. So in case we didn't cover this, uh, do you have an overall shortstop strategy? Or did we cover this? No, we haven't really gotten into it yet. Go ahead. Um, What's your strategy? So, and this kind of relates to Machado and Correa, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but, like, I don't, I don't feel good about drafting one of the early round shortstops, the first or second rounders, those three guys, Turner, Correa, and Machado, uh, because I feel like there is enough depth at shortstop now that it's not as big of an advantage as historically it's been. And I feel much more confident in some of the other hitters um, that you could draft at that point. Or at that same point, I'm looking at drafting one of the four super aces, Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, and Sale. Uh, so it's just not high on my priority there. I am happy, you know, if if Seeger lasts long enough into the third round, I'm happy to take him. Uh, you know, if Bregman slips a little, I'll take him. Andrews, I always feel like is 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 uh, falls more than he should, so that's the guy I'm drafting most often. I'd rather not get stuck with like a Marwin Gonzalez, but even if I do, I don't feel like it's a disaster. So. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not putting a heavy emphasis on shortstop this year. Ooh, that's a, that's a pretty hot take. It is the shallowest position outside of catcher, but like Scott said, the gap has very much narrowed. And the one thing about those elite guys is it really does depend on what stats you're looking to fill, because there are a lot of stolen base guys at shortstop that you can wait on. If you want to go that route, if you want to take Freddie Freeman instead of Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman's probably just going to be a better hitter. And in Roto, I think that's a smart strategy just because you can wait, get Gene Segura and his 30 steals in the seventh round, or you can wait until the like 19th round and get Jose Peraza and his 30 steals. Uh, Heath, how about you? What's your, what's your shortstop strategy? I have decided as the founding father of the no intentional positional strategy movement that mm-hmm. I am not going to pretend like I have a specific strategy for positions. Because I do not. I'm glad you brought your nips over to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You're, you're welcome. I, I don't go into the draft thinking I want to get this at shortstop or second base. It's more about where the... Like, I will take Correa or Machado in the second round, early in the second round, and feel good about it. I haven't actually done that very often because there, I agree with Scott, I'd rather have the big four aces. Um, but I don't go in thinking I must get a shortstop early because they are all terrible or I'm going to wait because it's deep. It just depends on what the others in the draft do. Oh, man. So Correa, I mean, like Correa could hit well over 300 with over 30 homers. I know he's not going to give you a ton of steals, but that's not a first-round player at, at shortstop, you know? No, it, I mean, if if he is legitimately that, if he is what he was for two-thirds of a season last year, but that's the first time Carlos Correa has done that before, and he did it with, you know, a uh, 352 BABIP with, uh, you know, a fly ball percentage that wouldn't necessarily lend itself to that kind of power. There are reasons for skepticism there. I don't really think he's a problem. He's somebody you need to worry about, but I feel more confident in like Freddie Freeman, Joey Votto. Um, Chris Bryant sometimes goes at that same point. I feel more confident in all of those hitters. And as I've said before, the main thing I'm looking to do with my first second round picks is just not mess it up. It is also worth noting. He has let us down as a first round pick before. 
Yeah, he was going in the first slump. round two years ago. Sophomore slump. Based on a hundred games. I, but this is, yeah, he's had a, a hundred games where he's played like a first rounder before and, you know, it, it's not necessarily a sure thing with him. I will say where, I guess where, if I have to be different than Scott and Chris in a way that I analyze shortstops, it is that I would take Correa and Machado over those first basemen. Okay. He's also 23 years old. Like I said, all, all these guys are so young. We may not have seen the best of them. That's, that's, that's just incredible about this position. It's, it, there's some really talented young players, 25 or younger at the top here. Um, all right. So it, when is the earliest you'll take Trey Turner? Points in Roto. <laughs> he, he's the standalone First, here, so. In Roto, I will take him second. Overall. Number Ahead two. of Trout. Ahead of Trout. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Trey Turner has been on a 70 plus <laughs> pace in steel, 70 plus steals pace in each of his first two seasons. Uh, all right. Who, how about you guys, Chris and Scott? When are you going to take Trey Turner? I, mm, I'd have to pull it up to be, give the exact number, but I haven't like 10th and Roto, 11th and points. Basically after, uh, like right after Kershaw goes, that's where I'm taking Trey Turner. Now I, I feel like in most, um, expert drafts we've done in, in Roto because most seem to be on Heath's, on board with Heath where they're willing to pay the premium for steals. I think Turner's like the consensus number three guy behind Trout and Altuve. He used to be the number four guy because Goldschmidt was up there too, but the humidor thing pushed him out. So, uh, probably going to have to have a top three pick to get Turner. I don't expect to get Turner in that format and I'm fine with it. Okay. Chris, where would you take Turner and Roto? Top three. Ooh. And like how about in points? I mean, here, here's just to, to provide some context. His Pocota projection is 290 average, 51 steals, 19 homers, 103 runs, and 68 RBI. <laughs> He's projected as the number two player, and the stolen base total is probably low. And the run total is probably low. Like He's been like on he, pace for 113 and 118 runs. Based on yeah, 155 like, games in two seasons. You could give him pretty easily 60 steals and 115 runs, and all of a sudden he's the number one player. But that's also, like, Mike Trout's projection is a little low. Okay, uh, so how about in points leagues where steals don't, you know, steals aren't a category, they help, they're worth two points, but Scott's still the top shortstop. I mean, he was the top shortstop on a per game basis last year. And what's interesting to point out with Turner, and I know since I kind of just argued against um, this is going to sound funny, but like we probably saw a worst case scenario in terms of batting average last year, and he was still the best shortstop in, in head-to-head points per game. He had a horrendous line drive rate after having a terrific one as a rookie. Like it was night and day difference there, and so that affected the batting, which affected the batting average. Like I definitely see upside for Trey Turner as a hitter. I guess the main thing I'm concerned about is in a deep lineup uh, where he's going to be hitting ahead in front of Bryce Harper with a new manager whose tendencies we don't really know. Like, what are the chances he's just a 30-steal guy? I don't I don't think that's um, out of the question. Okay. So that's that's kind of what scares me away from him at that premium price because then you're talking about a 290 hitting 20-homer shorts up with 30 steals. Still very good, still first-round caliber, but... You know, not worth passing up some of those other guys. I would worry about that more if he wasn't so efficient at stealing bases. Um, he's right around an 80% clip, though. And so I, I understand hitting ahead of Bryce Harper. If you were at 75%, I'd probably tell you to run less. If you're at 80%, I'm not that worried about it. 
the 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 weird thing is he only stole 77 bases in 275 minor league games. He's run more since getting to the majors, which is not usually what you see. I don't know what to make of that, but if he if he only steals 45 bases, he's not a number one contender for the for the pit, top spot. Now I, he's I not mean, a contender for the top I, spot. I I I think if he only steals 45 bases, it matters the why. Because we have talked about a lot of times when players' power numbers go up, their stolen bases go down. If he hits 25 homers and steals 45 bases and hits 330, then sure. then he is sure. But he's got a 29 percent hard contact rate for his career as well. All right, we're talking about Trey Turner right now. I do want to ask Keith like why he would take Trey Turner over Mike Trout, but we have plenty of time in Roto. We have plenty of time to get into that. Uh, this is the shortstop preview, so we got to talk about more shortstops and sleepers, breakouts and busts. Why don't we start with Heath and give me your favorite sleeper shortstop in 2018? This is not something that I'm ever prepared to do, Adam, but I <laughs> will give you a sleeper shortstop, and I will go with Ahmed Rosario. And I think you could choose Gleyber Torres. The, the main difference between the two is that I expect Rosario to start the season with the big league club, and he is someone that really, really struggled last year, but struggled, struggled in a way that was completely uncharacteristic from his minor league track record. And so it doesn't worry me as much. Uh, Rosario has the upside to jump into. I, I don't know that he has the upside to jump into the top five, but he has the upside to challenge for sixth. Okay, I'm at Rosario, just 22 years old. And uh, he had seven steals in how many games did he play last year? I'm sorry, guys. Did not write About that down. Fifth. Okay, seven steals. That's pretty good. Four doubles, four triples. Uh, all right, so Scott, your favorite sleeper this year? Well, I'll go with the other one. I will go with Gleyber Torres, who I think has a pretty good chance of making the roster as the Yankees' uh, starting second baseman. He's been given a clean bill of health this spring after having Tommy John surgery, so uh, that's you know that's obviously what they're keeping that spot open for. Um, maybe they keep him down for two weeks. The whole. Uh, the whole thing that uh, we saw with Chris Bryant a couple weeks ago, but I, I expect him to play a ton this year. And I think, I, I don't think we've talked about him enough. I, I guess we've been scared away by the Tommy John surgery, but this is like top, top shelf prospect here, like right behind Acuna with numbers in the minors, uh, the way the power has been kind of trending up for a guy who's just now 21 I mean, it kind of reminds me of the way Carlos Correa started to develop, and there's a similar similar pedigree there. I, I don't think it would be a huge surprise if next year we're talking about Gleyber Torres as a top-five shortstop. Well, I guess it would be because he probably wouldn't have shortstop eligibility anymore, but uh, that's why you want to take advantage of it while he has it. This might be the one and only year in the foreseeable future, and uh, I, I think you could draft him with your last pick, and he could just be your starter all year. Right, so here's kind of the issue with with Rosario and, and Torres. Um, if you play in a roto league or, or any league that has a middle infield spot, it's easy to take these guys, right? But if you play in just a one shortstop league, fairly shallow league, right, 10, 12, 10 teams, 12 teams, there are going to be shortstops on the waiver wire. Do you even draft these guys? Because, yeah, I mean, it, it's very possible that Torres waits two weeks before he comes up so they can get another year of control. Uh, and, and like, you don't know what you're gonna get from, he's 21 years old. Rosario was pretty bad last year and he's 22 years old. Uh, and usually I don't carry two shortstops on my team. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I have more confidence in Torres's bat than Rosario's. And I haven't been drafting him in any league really, but I'm saying right now I need to start because I, it's, it's like, 
too much upside to pass up. Looking at, just specifically looking at points leagues, I, I don't think it's a bad point, and I probably wouldn't be interested in drafting either of them if I got one of those eight or nine shortstops that I feel comfortable with. Uh-huh. But if it's a situation where shortstops go early and I end up with Trevor Story, Paul DeYoung, Didi, somebody like that as my starting shortstop, I'm far more interested in adding Rosario or Torres to my bench because I think they have the potential to be a difference maker. I'm not sure the other guys are really going to be difference makers. Now you said in a points league, but but even like a one shortstop categories league or something, you'd be absolutely in that, right. Okay, cool. Uh, Chris, sleeper shortstop. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me go back to the two New York shortstops here, Torres and Rosario. What do we expect from them? Like batting average, power, steals. What kind of players do you expect them to be? I expect Rosario to hit for less power than Torres, mm-hmm. steal more bases than Torres. Um, I Rosario might have a higher ceiling batting average wise, but I think Labor Torres overall on base and OPS is higher. Uh and and I think, you know, based on the way Rosario scuffled last year, you know, I I I have more confidence in Torres too. I will say I'm not sure like Rosario does kind of look like a guy who just hasn't quite grown into his power yet. He did have a lot of extra base hits. In both 2016 and 2017, and the minors had 37 doubles and triples combined in 120 games in 2016, had 16 in just 94 games in 2017. So I, I don't want to put a cap on his power yet, and I do think that he has has a good chance of developing into a 300 hitter. All right, Chris, who's a sleeper for you at shortstop? I'll go much sleepier. Uh, I really like – I didn't like Jose Peraza at this time last year because he was being drafted as, like, a top 130, 140 player, but now that he's – barely being drafted i think there aren't a lot of guys with his stolen base potential i think he has a chance last year what only three guys stole more than 35 bases i think he's got a chance to to not quite get into the trey turner range but i could see him stealing 50 bases okay jose peraza so our three sleepers are ahmed rosario glaber torres and jose peraza and peraza is going super late uh let's see where the other two are going peraza is actually going ahead of uh, Glaber Torres right now. Okay. I would expect and that's Rosario. not going. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would expect once it becomes more clear that Glaber Torres has a job, he's going to start shooting up the draft boards. Chris, give me a breakout shortstop in 2018. <sighs> that's tough. I because we just use them all for sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> no, just because a lot of the guys that I like have already kind of broken out. So like I, Xander Bogarts, I guess. From where okay. he was last year, I think I think last year we saw his absolute rock bottom floor. I think he's going to bounce back and be close to the guy he was the previous two years. I know that's not the typical definition exactly of a breakout. Exactly not a breakout. It's a tough position to find a breakout. I, I've got one. That, Bregman though. is the obvious breakout. It's Alex Bregman. It? Yeah, mm-hmm. Bregman. Like it's pretty rare for projection systems to project a player for just better numbers pretty much across the board. And that's kind of what you've got with Bregman. Like his projection is a little bit of a breakout. And there's monster breakout potential. I mean, okay, it's kind of funny when you. I'll, I'll get to Scott in a second. Actually, let's get Scott now. Scott, who's your breakout? Well, I was actually going to drop the the Bregman stat I keep citing, even though it makes Chris. Yes, did you hear me just then? I got to get yep. used to talking close to this mic. <laughs> I got to get used to. Uh, um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Alex Bregman. All right, <laughs> I'm falling Alex apart Bregman. here. I'm sorry. Alex, yeah, Alex Bregman stat that makes Chris's head explode is that <laughs> from. July 4th on last year, Alex Bregman did amazing things. He hit 321. 
with a 927 OPS. And he had a point per game average about the same as Carlos Correa for the year. Okay. What happened on July 4th? My birthday. Fireworks. Fireworks happened. So. He's a patriot. Okay. Are you done? So here's a different breakout. Oh, okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Tim Anderson. What? Mr. Yes. Anderson. Yes. What? Yes. yes. Now, I don't love the bat for Anderson. He doesn't walk at all. He strikes out too much. But. Glowing endorsements. So that being said, <laughs> last year, he stole 15 bases. Not great, right? 15 bases in 16 opportunities. So he was obviously good at stealing bases, just for whatever reason he didn't. That changed in September. Nine of his 15 stolen bases on the season came in his final 23 games as part of a conscious decision to run more. I remember the quotes when he you know, announced this before it even happened were, I don't know why I wasn't running more. I think I'm going to start. And then he did, and it went great. Nine stolen bases that final month. Um, like, you look at his minor league track record, he has the potential to be a 40-50 steal guy. Did you see his quote about how many he wants to steal, Tim Anderson? I did not. So it's in our updates on the website. Uh, basically, he wants 25 or more steals. Quote, I'll say over 25. In that 20s range is good. I'll take more, though. And yes, we would like that. And, and Tim Anderson did steal nine bases in September. Let me t- let me give you a guy though who hit two forty six last year with fifteen homers and twenty four steals. And last year Anderson hit two fifty seven, so a better batting average, seventeen homers, two more, and he had fifteen steals. But let's say he even if he does two forty six with fifteen homers and twenty four steals last year, that's what Jose Reyes gave you. And Jose Reyes was the number 11 shortstop in points leagues. That won't happen for Anderson because his plate discipline's terrible. But he was 14th in Roto. Yeah. Which is Can pretty just, good. That, that's, that's a weird, uh, that's a weird collection of facts that are hard to make sense of right up to the point where you're comparing him to Jose Reyes and in a good way. You know? Right. Reyes was surprisingly good last year. 11th yeah, in points, 14th in Roto. And it's very realistic that Tim Anderson could put up Better numbers than what Reyes gave last year if he gets the 25 steals. Can I can I just give you guys a better version of Tim Anderson? No. Okay. If we're going to play this, why not just take Orlando Arcia? Oh, because I, I think Tim Who's Anderson much could better... run a lot more than Arcia. Arcia, yeah. Um, that's why we don't take Arcia. Yeah. Because that's not I his mean, name. Like, I feel like maybe maybe Arcia could get better than what he did last year. Um, But yeah. I don't. He's done nothing. I mean, he, he like, was a I better at, prospect than Tim Anderson. Yeah, he's done he nothing. But I look at the bad ball uh, profile, and I'm just like, yeah, this is giving, basically. Why are, like, we're going to say Orlando Arcia hasn't done nothing in a conversation where we're praising Tim Anderson? Well, to like, be fair, I don't, about, like, I don't think, again, <laughs> I don't think Tim Anderson is a very good hitter. Good I just point. think the chance of 40 steals from a middle infielder at a point where nobody's even expecting it is awesome. And okay. I want a chance to talk about it, so here it is. All right. I, uh, I love Tim Anderson. How about from June 1st, Orlando Arcia hit 290 with 11 homers and 13 steals and 92 bases. Full season statistics are generally. Uh, that's pretty good. All right. I mean, that's pretty interesting. There are, I mean, there He's are a play ton in of really good lineup. He's one of like three guys in Milwaukee who actually has an everyday job. But he's probably going to hit like eighth or ninth. Or, you know, probably eighth or something. Sure. Which hurts. The, the thing is like, what were, what were his, what was his season line last year? Arcia? Arcia hit, hit uh, 277 uh-huh. with a 731 OPS, 15 homers, and 14 steals. I mean, it doesn't look bad at first glance, but he averaged 2.11 fantasy points per game last year. It was oh yeah, if he's exactly as good as he was last season, he's not going to be a breakout. 
but yeah. neither will Tim Anderson. If, all right, anything. all right, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's go. Let's go to busts here. Um, Scott, you can talk about Xander Bogarts now, and I, I just let's uh, see if we can do this kind of quickly here, so we can get to the, the ADP and talk about a lot of these guys. Go ahead. Well, considering how much we seem to disagree on Xander Bogarts, I'm not confident it's going to be quick, but. Uh, Xander Bogarts has had two really good years where he was a top shelf shortstop in fantasy. Last year was not one of those years. Uh, but last year was, I think, more in line looking at the peripherals to what we should consider to be base production for Xander Bogarts. Cause the one year where he had elite production, it was the result of a 320 batting average which was built on a 372 BABIP, which he hasn't come close to before or since, and which you wouldn't expect any player to. The other year that he was a top-shelf shortstop, he hit 21 home runs, about twice his career high apart from that, and it was built on a home run-to-fly ball rate that he hasn't come close to before or since. So there was, in each of those years, one kind of fluky event that drove him to be an elite player. And last year, everything was basically normal, and he wasn't that. He was just kind of another guy at shortstop. Now, maybe he has upside. He's still young. He has a great pop prospect pedigree. But I, this deep into his career, I want to actually see it in a way that looks sustainable. Where is he being drafted? Sixth, seventh round. Seventh round. That's the thing. is like He was probably worth that last year, at least in Roto. I disagree. Uh, I don't me, think he was enough of a standout in anything to be worth that. Let me tell you where Bogarts finished last year. Uh, no, he was much better in points leagues, actually. Okay. He had uh, he was number six in points leagues and number 13 in Roto. Is that possible? I mean, that seems really but low. But I would say he was a compiler even in points leagues because his per-game production was just behind Paul DeYoung, just ahead of Andrelton Simmons. Like, not guys were talking about sixth or seventh but, round caliber. But we are talking about guys who had like their best year, like who had great years last year. I mean, you can talk about Paul DeYoung okay. and Angelton Simmons is I'll, what we expect I'll, I'll this start year. listing shortstops who averaged more fantasy points per game than Xander Bogarts last year. Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Elvis Andrews, Alex Bregman, Zach Cozart, Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, Paul DeYoung. They all had good years. Marcus Simeon. Now, that's an interesting guy. Yeah, no, okay, Bogart, right look, Bogarts if, didn't do that well. He only hit 10 home runs, uh, but he was, played hurt. That's if the there was argument. going to be a shortstop who is going to compile a lot of things, the guy who bats at the top of the Red Sox lineup is as good a candidate as anyone. And he was – well, he doesn't bat at the top of the lineup. He bit sixth most of last year. He, he, I don't know uh, where they're going to hit him this year, though. That that would that will make a difference in how I look at him too, because hitting sixth was not a good thing for him last year. Sure, uh, Bogarts was sixth in points and thirteenth uh, in roto. Not a category standout in, in any sense, uh, but yes, kind of a compiler. All right, so that's Sander Bogarts. He's a bust for Scott, but is round seven okay value, Scott? In your opinion? No, no, okay. no. I would I would rather have D. When, where's D.D. Gregorius going? Two rounds later. I would rather have D.D. Gregorius two rounds later. Um, I would probably rather... Where How how much later is Marwin Gonzalez going? Marwin Gonzalez is... 12th Great round. Segway. 12th round. Uh, is that your bust, Heath? That is my bust. And I feel like we talk a lot about the fact that Marwin Gonzalez's plate appearances aren't guaranteed and the Astros have too many guys. And that's true, and that could be the reason that he's a bust. Also, what he did last year is not sustainable. He didn't really increase his hard contact rate. He didn't change. He walked a lot more. He didn't change his batted ball profile enough 
to suggest that his BABIP would be 30 points higher than his career norm, and his home run to fly ball rate would be 50% higher than his career norm. So even if he does play more, you shouldn't expect him to produce the way that he did last year. Okay, that's uh, that's Marwin Gonzalez, and you don't consider him one of your safe starts, right? No, I do not consider him one of my safe starts at, at any position. But you would be willing to take uh, Marwin Gonzalez and Ahmed Rosario and see what happens? I mean, the thing is, I probably wouldn't because I have Paul DeYoung ranked higher than Marwin Gonzalez, and I think Marwin is being drafted first. I have Jose Peraza and Roto ranked ahead of Marwin Gonzalez, so I I see gotcha. no reason to take Marwin Gonzalez where he's going. All right, Chris, how about a bust? Uh, Trevor Story. He's Rugnet Odor without the track record. Oh, boy. All right, so, like, he's very interesting because we know he could have been, you know, one of the elite shortstops, one of the top fantasy shortstops in 2016. He was terrible last year. But, like, that's a guy that's very interesting to me, Trevor Story, going in round 10? Round 10 in a 12-team league. Just ahead of Chris Taylor, who's not shortstop eligible in our leagues. Just ahead of Javier Baez. I think it's really because of who Trevor Story is going ahead of. Like, it's Didi Gregorius gets drafted, and then Trevor Story's the 10th shortstop off the board, and then it's Chris Taylor, Javi Baez, Eduardo Nunez, Marwin Gonzalez, Paul DeYoung, Angelton Simmons, you know, all the way on down. See, my problem is I don't want any of those other guys ahead of him. I know, that's the thing. Like, Story is, to me, the last hope of having a great player. That's uh, the way I'd categorize it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was terrible last year, but he was terrible hitting 24 home runs, 82 RBI, and 145 games. I also, I, I think there's a chance he just loses his job that is possible I will say I think the difference like he struck out 31 percent of the time in his rookie year he struck out 34.4 percent last year and I I think for a player like him that three percent makes a big difference sure but he also like he had a really high are you looking at his fan graphs page what was his infield fly ball rate oh I think it was really high yeah it it was um 10 percent (laughs) so Uh, sorry, go ahead, Heath. My bad. It was it was like half of what Odor's is. It was ten percent. Um, but a forty percent. You got you can live with that if he doesn't strike out more than a third of his plate appearances. Right. I just I think there's a chance that he's mediocre enough in the first two months of the season, and Brendan Rodgers just lights it up. This is a team that's in a playoff that's going to be in the playoff race. They're not like they don't. This guy doesn't have a long enough track record that they're going to That's true. ride out. It's not like Carlos Gonzalez where they're just like, we think this guy's going to pull out of it. If yeah, Brandon I mean, Rogers, you're, you're not wrong. If you're Brandon Rodgers is hitting 340 in June like he was last year, there's a chance he just gets called it's just, up. I, I think at, at that point of the draft, are you willing to gamble on the upside or are you going to be scared away from the risk? And I think Heath and I are willing to gamble on the upside. And Well, what point of the draft are we talking, Adam? Uh, for story, overall. yeah, tenth, yeah. tenth overall, like a hundred. I mean, that's tenth a little round, early. I, I actually haven't drafted him yet, so he he does tend to go a little earlier than I'm willing to. But there's a point where I definitely would. And I just I look at the the guys that are being taken at that part of the draft, and I just see more upside. Miguel Sano's being taken at the same part of the draft. Rafael Devers is. Yes. Yeah. Y- Yasiel Puig. I I just I'd rather have those guys than than Trevor Story. I okay. think that's fine. Looking at it not by position, mm-hmm. but, but when I look at it by position. The guys that are going after him, like, crap, I missed on shortstop. Yeah, right. I, at, at that point, if I reach 100th overall, I'd rather just take Zach Cozart. Okay, like, so so um, before we get into ADP, uh, which prospects do we think are worth drafting? Because you mentioned Brendan Rodgers and obviously Rosario and uh, Glaber Torres. I don't know if Rosario is still a prospect, but Torres certainly is. 
Um, which which shortstop prospect should at least be on our radar? Uh, Willie, I never know how to pronounce his last name. It, it looks like Adams, except there's an E between the M and the S. Adames? Adames, That's maybe. My, yeah. Willie Adames of the Rays. Uh, I expect him to take over as their starting shortstop sooner than later. Um, you know, the minor league numbers, they're like a lot of shortstop prospects, and you're like, why is this guy a top prospect? But that has played out pretty well in the majors recently. Okay. Uh, not a big steals guy, but JP Crawford's still JP Crawford. a, sh- uh, a prospect. Yeah, he's not he shortstop he's, eligible. Yeah, he's only third base eligible, but he'll be, he'll be playing shortstop yeah. for the Phillies, and and that's a good one. I I think he's being getting uh, people are sleeping on him a lot because they see the three B next to his name. Franklin Barreto and Jorge Mateo could both, uh, but you probably don't want to draft them. I would say Crawford and Torres are probably it, right? Yeah, those are probably the two. In mixed leagues that you'd consider. I don't think it goes beyond that. Is Crawford going to break camp with the Phillies, you think? Yeah, they, that's why they traded Freddie Galvis, right? Okay. Yeah. All righty. Good stuff, then. Um, so, let's do ADP review. I need to tell you all about HQ, though. Chris, I was watching uh, HQ this morning. It's freaking awesome. CBS Sports HQ. It's our uh, our live streaming sports news and highlights service on yes. uh, cbssports.com. Right. So like I was watching on my Roku, but you can get you can watch it on cbssports.com. Uh cbssportshq.com is where you want to go, but Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, you can watch it on your phone, other connected devices. Basically, we are launching a, a sports news 24/7 streaming channel with, you know, covering the biggest games and the best plays and and good insight and just think we're all kind of tired of the sports coverage out there, so I think you're really going to like this alternative. So, I, yeah. I, yeah, right? Sports I mean, highlights. Highlights, exactly. Highlights. I, I was Woo! watching a story about the New Orleans Pelicans this morning and, and the run there. I'm like, it wasn't just LeBron coverage. It was incredible. It was like real sports <laughs> coverage. So a that's lot, what we're, we want to give you. A lot of really good analysts, including, mm-hmm. you know, these guys. Heath, Heath and Scott will be involved. Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard will be. But we've also got a ton of former players uh, across all sports. Former Nationals GM Jim Bowden is part of our team. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really awesome, and I think you're gonna like it. So it's called CBS Sports HQ. You can look for it on your uh, connected devices or CBSSportsHQ.com. ADP review: Trey Turner sixth overall, Carlos Correa fourteenth overall, Manny Machado eighteenth overall, Francisco Lindor twenty first overall. Um. We yeah. haven't talked about Francisco. No, no, we have not. We had a really interesting twenty or Manny Machado. Season. Yeah, or we Machado. Also had a really interesting twenty seventeen season. I think that just kind of tells you how much confidence we have in both of those guys. Francisco Lindor after the All Star break was a terrifying monster. He, he hit was. like over three hundred and like a thirty thirty pace. He was incredible. So actually, I was going to bring this up when we were talking about breakouts, but. The reason I, I love this position, especially at the top, is I think just about all of the top eight shortstops. If I don't actually don't think Machado could, but I think everybody else could have their breakout year. Like Trey Turner hasn't stayed healthy, so he could. Carlos Correa was having his breakout year, and then he got hurt and still had a breakout year, but he could be even better. Machado, we've probably seen the best of him, but the best of him is amazing. I'm yeah. not sure we've seen the best of him. He'd have to, well, I don't know, he'd have to combine the steals. Anymore. That's the big thing. Yeah, he stole mine last year. Right, no, but he's not stealing 25 bases anymore. Fine, and he's 25 years old. So, yeah, maybe we can see the best of him. And is it a contract year? Francisco Lindor is still improving, and he's young. 
Corey Seager, like I said, before the injury, he was having a great year. Bregman is our breakout player. Xander Bogart, some like him, some don't. So I, I just think that, like, man, these, these guys really, <laughs> some really damn good players and they're young and, yeah, they could, uh, they could be great for you. I don't know where I was going with that, but there you go. There's my non-analysis. Corey Seager is fifth off the board at shortstop, 33rd overall. So how do we feel about that real quick? 33rd overall for Corey Seager. I, I think it's a little bit of a reach. These guys don't. A little, you know, I think it's a little high in Roto. And this is a Roto, Roto ADP. If it was a points league, it's probably a little low for me. Yeah, like, he's going behind, I'm cool with it. He's going ahead of D Gordon. In between Josh Donaldson and D Gordon. That's kind of an interesting stretch. Donaldson, Seager, Gordon. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Donaldson for just the raw production across the four categories and D if I'm... Well, and he's, he's going behind Donaldson. Yeah, but Which right next makes to sense. I that, I think that's who I rank him right behind is Josh Donaldson. I would rather have D. All right, Elvis Andrews goes in round six. We have a drop off in ADP at that point. We go from Corey Seager thirty third overall to Elvis Andrews. Oh no, I forgot about Alex Bregman. I'm sorry. He's in round four, forty third overall. Then it's Elvis Andrews sixty first, Xander Bogarts seventy uh, fifth, Gene Segura seventy eighth overall. All right, if if Elvis Andrews goes back to hitting 10 home runs instead of 20. Is he worth the 60, 61st or 62nd pick in the draft? No. I would say technically not, but I don't think he'd be so far off from that that you'd really like be cursing that decision. And how I many home runs do you expect from Andrews? I'm going to give him like 16. So Pakoda has him hitting 10th and also has him as the number 39 hitter. That's yeah. probably like that's probably where he'd be. Like that's probably where he's being drafted. What? 39th among hitters? Yeah. Like 61st overall, you figure there's probably about 22, 25 pitchers being taken around that. So, yeah, that's... He might be getting drafted a little earlier than that. And that's one projection system, but that's 10 home runs. That like That's a relatively small... I, I mean, he might be getting drafted a little late based on that way yeah. of looking at it, is what I meant to say. So Xander Bogarts and Gene Segura going right around the same range, 75th overall, 79th overall, Bogarts and Segura. And that gives us our number 10 shortstop, Didi Gregorius. Again, if you're looking at Fantasy Pros ADP, if you're looking at any ADP, I am counting Machado as a shortstop. Nobody else is, which makes sense. Uh, he's not shortstop eligible yet. Trevor Story is the 10th shortstop off the board. He and Gregorius are going in round, uh, well, Gregorius is round 9. And then round 10 has Trevor Story, Chris Taylor, and Javier Baez. We just think is going way too early, right? I much prefer. I, I'm not a big Chris Taylor fan, but I much prefer him to Javi Baez. But he's not he's, shortstop eligible. He's not a shortstop on our site. Still prefer him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Joe Madden poured some water on by the idea of Baez getting more playing time this year, which you wonder how it's going to happen anyway. They have three capable second basemen: one in Ian Happ, who has a lot of upside; one in Ben Zobrist, who's owed a lot of money. I still think Baez gets the biggest share of that, but. Uh, I don't see him being a better on-base guy like Madden's suggesting he needs to be to become the full-fledged full-timer. Had okay. the second-highest swing and strike rate in baseball last year. And uh, let's not forget, Aston Russell is one of the best prospects of the last few years and is still only 24. Right. Okay, so then after Didi, after Didi and Trevor Story and Chris Taylor and Javi Baez, we have Eduardo Nunez. Uh, 139th overall, and he's going to start the season as an everyday player until Pedroia comes back, and then it will be tough for him to get playing time. So, can not you... eligible on our site. Oh, so Taylor okay. and Nunez, forget about them. Okay, Marwin Gonzalez. Still like them both as over Javi Baez at shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Marwin Gonzalez. Heath's already talked about him as a bust. Is, is, are you guys okay with him? Like, you're the last guy to take a shortstop. You take Marwin Gonzalez and you just start him and. I am. I mean, I, I understand the risks and the playing time concern is like the more every time an Astros beat writer mentions Derek Fisher, they're mentioning him as the favorite for the left field job, which means Marwan Gonzalez doesn't have a position of his own. Now, he plays everywhere, so he'll still play a lot. But could it be less than last year? Yeah, I could see that. So okay. that that scares me. And, and I'm not totally on board with the production either. Um, but I think it's it's going to be good for a shortstop. So I think I'm fine with it. More like Jed Lowry. Like I don't think I'd take him at his where his ADP shows round twelve or whatever. But I'm finding in a lot of cases I don't have to. I'm fine with him like round fifteen, sixteen, something like that. I'd rather have a number of guys who are going five or six rounds later. Marvin Gonzalez, Paul DeYoung, Angelton Simmons. How would you rank those three? DeYoung, Marwin, Angelton. Yes, I. Rank them just as they're going, uh, but I would put Andrelton ahead of DeYoung in a points league. Yeah, that makes sense. DeYoung with the bad play discipline, Simmons does not strike out. Uh, Orlando Arcia, Zach Cozart. So, so a lot of these guys are young upside guys. Arcia, Anderson, Peraza, Addison Russell, Glaber Torres, Ahmed Rosario, Jorge Polanco, Tim Beckham. Tim Beckham, by the way, was really good with Baltimore and really good in, in Camden Yards. That's something to keep in mind. The one guy who's not like the young upside guy is Zach Cozart, and he's coming off his best year. Unfortunately, he is moving to uh, Angel Stadium, but Cozart will play third base. He'll pick up third base eligibility if that helps. He was number eight in points. He was number 11 in Roto, and he only played in 122 games. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of power. I think we probably have doubts about the batting average, but how do you guys feel? know that feel? he has a lot of power. He hits home runs. He had a lot of power last year. Definitely benefited from the park he played in. It's a big loss in terms of his home park, but I, I think that's being baked into his draft price and then some. Oh yeah, and he he had 12 home runs at home and he had 12 home runs on the road last year. Just want to point that out. The batting average was much worse on the road though. You pointed. I think you said he was eighth in points leagues last year, Adam. Yeah. That's factoring in the time he missed to injury. Per game basis, he was the fourth best shortstop last year. He was actually ahead of Elvis Andrews, the number one overall shortstop in per game production. I don't expect him to do that again either, but good plate discipline and I think at least decent power. And you like, should, I think he's going to compare to Andrews in terms of home run total. Cozart may be one of those guys that we shouldn't rely too much on per game production just because he's only played 150 games once in his career. And he played 147 in 2014. That's the most recent time he's been over 122. What I what I will say about shortstop is the way it's it's coming out now, a lot like second base actually, I'd rather just avoid the middle class. I want one of the eight guys that I feel good about starting. And then, you know, in a roto league, I'd rather my middle infielder come from the, you know, Arcia, Peraza, Glaber, Ahmed Rosario well, group. To be honest with you, I think your middle infielder is going to come from second base. I agree. Yeah, yeah. That, there's a lot more depth there than shortstop, which, I mean, it's saying something because we haven't even gotten into guys like Marcus Simeon. Um, Jorge Polanco had a really good finish for the Twins last year. Right, so like tell me tell me who the guys that you think have the best chance to really surprise us. We've mentioned Torres and Ahmed Rosario. I guess this is like Sleepers Breakouts Part 2. 
the guys that we haven't talked about. So I'm just gonna let's wrap like, up the show. Who it, who are you excited it, about it's in the late round? That there are those guys at shortstop, and we just don't even have reason to talk about them because there are enough more proven ones. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to mention him. Dansby? Dansby. Dansby. This is a this is an elite prospect. The the weird thing about Dansby Swanson is he's been just bad in the majors. And even in the minors, he didn't look like a fantasy standout anywhere. But the pedigree is so good, the Braves still believe in him. He's going around three hundredth overall, which means he's not really being drafted more often than not. And I would like to take a late round flyer on Dansby Swanson in as many places I as I can just to bet on that. The pedigree and the youth. Yeah, but, but would you rather I, take a, a flyer on him or Marcus Simeon? Swanson. Yep. In that same vein, I will say Cattell Marte. Uh, that them clearing out Brandon Drury, I Just feel let like him run. more confident he's going to play. They should let him run. And last year, I, I know he only had a 260 batting average. There's no way he should have a 290 bat bip. I would he's, expect that to be at least 20 points higher. And he's going to get on base. Like They, they yeah. just need to let him run. He had an 11% walk rate and just a 14% strikeout rate last year. Let him play every day. Let him run. He's going to play every day. Yeah. And I think with the humidor, they may not know it now, but I think they may soon realize he's going to have to run. Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up, actually, the humidor with Chris Owings, because Chris Owings, 743 OPS in his career at home, 628 on the road. Yeah, no, thank you. So, so yeah, you want to be you want to be aware of that. He was a big home road guy. So I, it's weird. Like there are a lot of I think I think there are a lot of waiver wire options. You don't have to draft these guys. You're not going to draft a lot of these guys in most cases. But if you're in a middle infield league, if you're in a league with a lot of roster spots, plenty of good young, exciting shortstops. Simeon's not that young, but he was basically 2020 last year. You know, if you he, he got hurt, but if he, you. Project the numbers out right over a full season. Um, is this Drupal Cabrera? He's shortstop eligible, right? Yes, uh, that's a solid middle infield option to wait on too. Is he yeah, in our leagues? I love him in NL only leagues as Drupal. Yeah, yeah, he is. He played forty five games of shortstop last year. Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a it's a somewhat deep position, and that there's exciting options, but you you can leave them well, on your waiver wire. It's not a deep position. It's just that it's every position is deep. You know? Right, right, right. Like relative to other positions, no, it's not. I think it's really deep in the 200 to 300 ADP range, yeah. which is a weird thing to say. But there's a ton of upside and a lot of like safe, reliable guys in that range. Okay. Uh, right. That's it. That's all I got. What about Tim Beckham? Uh, what do you make of that stat with the Orioles? He had an 871 OPS in 50 games with Baltimore. Talk about. I mean, pedigree. Maybe it just clicked. Yeah, that was I don't the number like one overall pick, but. I don't like He's him. He's old. It's a small sample size. <laughs> I think I just talked Chris out of it by saying I don't like him. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just providing the positive <laughs> that I don't believe. Heath, any final words of wisdom? Fade Tim Beckham. Fade Tim Beckham. And watch CBS Sports HQ. And listen to the Sportsline DFS podcast if you want to know who else to fade in your daily fantasy lineups. Uh, for Heath Cummings, for Scott White, for Chris Towers, I'm Adam Azer. This is your shortstop preview. Third base tomorrow. See you later.